Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. Thanks for tuning in, and here's a sneak peek at what you can expect on today's show. Dr. Chi is taking a conservative same-day approach. He's using our highly aesthetic obsidian lithium silicate ceramic material on tooth number 19. Check it out. For today's case, we're going to work on tooth number 19 that has an existing DO amalgam restoration and a distal lingual cusp fracture. What we're going to provide for the patient is a conservative onlay restoration by removing the amalgam and any recurrent decay and preparing that for an indirect all-ceramic onlay that we're going to fabricate chair-side. We're going to scan it with the 3M True Definition Scanner, design it on the iOS Fast Design software, and mill it out with the TS-150 milling system. The material that we're going to utilize will be the Obsidian CAD, which is a lithium silicate material, and it offers a unique blend of strength, about 385 megapascals of flexural strength, and also very, very nice aesthetics with natural translucency that allows it to blend in with the surrounding tooth structure. Obsidian is also utilized in our revolutionary obsidian pressed to metal restorations, which are now the strongest PFMs ever fabricated. Since glass ceramics are more prone to chipping during the milling process, obsidian CAD is milled out in a slightly softened, pre-crystallized state, and that ensures that it maintains its structural and marginal integrity. And I'll show you how we can utilize the required crystallization cycle in the porcelain oven to add some stains and glaze to enhance the aesthetics. Let's take a look at the case. All right, this patient presents with a large amalgam restoration on tooth number 19 with the distal lingual cusp that had sheared off. And this is actually a situation that I see fairly often. And I will utilize a digital process to help restore this patient's problem. So after taking the shade, which we determined to be an A3.5, I'll start the process by removing the retentive areas of the amalgam restoration and the restoration just easily pops right out. And after that, evaluating the rest of the, the cavity to determine if there's any recurrent decay in this situation, just a little bit along the gingival floor. And after that, since we are going to mill an indirect restoration, I just want to ensure that there aren't any undercuts and that the proximal walls of the cavity are divergent. Due to the proximity of the pulp, I placed a thin layer of vitrobon just for added insulation. So here is the completed preparation, again with divergent walls without any undercuts. And we can begin the scanning process. No retraction was necessary with cord because the margins were kept super gingival. For the preparation scans, ensuring that all of the surfaces are captured, occlusal, buccal, and lingual, rotating almost to 90 degrees, both on the buccal and lingual, to ensure that those areas are captured well. And on to the opposing scans, where we also want the functional areas along with the entire buccal surface, because that will align during the bite scans in this situation with the patient biting together. Once the three sets of scans are completed, they are sent wirelessly to the iOS Fast Design software where after I set the path of insertion, the margins are placed, 
and the pre-planning of the design is done where I can set the design and rotate it and just kind of fit it into the tooth number 19. And the software does an incredible job of restoring the missing part of that tooth. Not a lot of work is done, except the only thing I did here was to broaden the contacts a little bit more and setting the value of that contact. In this case, I find 60 microns of proximal contact to be ideal. And the last part of the process is to set the sprue location. Because the distal lingual cusp was missing, I placed it right in that area so to avoid the contact and the margin. So after about a 12-minute milling cycle, here I utilize a slow-speed handpiece with a diamond burr to remove the sprue. And afterwards, I'll place it on SuperPEG material, which is a putty material that will help stabilize the restoration onto the firing peg. And also during the heating cycle in the oven, it helps to prevent any type of dimensional shrinkage or changes to the restoration. So here I'm placing a very thin layer of glaze material onto the restoration. And what this does is it will, of course, give a very nice luster to the restoration once it's fired. And also it helps seal up any potential microfractures in the restoration. Some of the stains that I place right into the primary anatomy, a little bit of mahogany to help create some added depth to those areas and some white onto the cusp tips and marginal ridges to add some value to those areas. Not a lot of stain, there's not a lot of work that needs to be done, and it's placed into the porcelain furnace. After about a 20 minute cycle, the restoration is completed. It is crystallized and also stain and glaze. The glaze material fuses to the restoration, and the stains are also set in place. And the peg material comes off very, very easily. So this is the first time trying in the onlay in the patient's tooth. Here I utilized the Optra stick by Avoclar to help carry the restoration to the tooth. And once it's seated in place, I'll verify that the margins are nice and sealed, and also that the proximal contacts are set properly. I really haven't had to adjust any proximal contacts because once I set it on the software, it is perfect pretty much every time. So even though I'm using a self-adhesive resin cement, I will place an additional layer of, in this case, it's Scotch Bond bonding agent. And internal studies here at Glidewell, we have determined that an additional bonding agent has increased bond strength quite dramatically to dentin. And in our studies, it has increased the bond strength to dentin four times, even though in this situation I am using a self-adhesive resin cement. The restoration itself is acid etch with hydrofluoric acid, 5%, for about 20 seconds. After tack curing for about two seconds, that aids in the removal of any excess cement, removing any cement interproximally with some floss material. And even though it is a dual cure cement, I do set it into place with an additional light cure of 20 seconds per surface. And here I'm using some composite polishers to go right along the margins to help smooth out any areas of excess cement that may be left over. And I'll finish that off after checking the occlusion, finish off any rough areas with an aklu brush, which is a bristle brush that helps polish any rough areas of the restoration. And here is our completed case within a two-hour appointment I was able to restore this patient's lower first molars form 
function and aesthetics, the patient left very satisfied getting their problem resolved in a single appointment. And that's one of the great benefits to utilizing chair-side digital dentistry. And of course, I was very pleased to be able to offer this solution, very effective and efficient solution for this patient. And that's it for this week's Case of the Week. We hope you enjoyed watching the onlay fabricated for this patient, utilizing a digital workflow in a single appointment. We hope you enjoyed the Case of the Week. For this onlay restoration, it took approximately an hour to complete after the preparation. Chairside CAD CAM is an amazing technology that allows us as clinicians to provide extremely high quality restorations for our patients within a single appointment. Thank you for your time. Back to you, Megan. Thank you for that, Dr. Chi. Obsidian never ceases to amaze me. All right, now let's check in with Will Schmidt, who I hear has a patient in a chair. It's coming up next in a segment we call Across the Chair. So today I'd like to focus on biotemps. Biotemps are a great addition to your practice, as simple as taking an impression and allowing the laboratory to fabricate your temporaries so that you don't have to. Uh, these are especially great for combination cases where we can do crowns, bridges, veneers, and things together. I've grown to love them over the years. I think they are a great addition to your practice. Uh, it's as simple as taking impressions, sending it to the lab, and having them fabricate your temporaries for you. So on the date that you prep, you can simply reline and place those right in the mouth. So today I would like to talk specifically about posterior biotemps. As you can see here, the models that we're going to use are all set up. The lab has gone ahead and done a rough preparation of these models. That way I can have a basis of how these biotemps are going to fit before I reline. I always like to try my biotemps on the model just to make sure there aren't any interproximal reductions that need to be done and they have been fabricated properly. The laboratory is also going to provide me with a couple plastic stents so that I can try these in the mouth or even on the models to make sure that my biotemps are going to fit my preparations before the reline as well. I will go ahead and trim the reduction stent and actually try it in the mouth to make sure that my doctor's preparations have enough room, first of all, in the occlusal plane, but also within my biotemps. Go ahead and snap that in on the bicuspids, a nice passive fit, and it looks like I do have enough reduction to go ahead and place these biotemps. I will give them just one dry try-in first without reline, without anything else, just to make sure that they will sit in there side by side. You are going to feel them rocking at first, but we just want to make sure that they're going to fit in there and there's nothing that is obviously wrong with them before we go through with anything else. I like to go ahead and reline without using any etch, any bond, Luxatemp, Exactatemp, some kind of acrylic temporary material right into the biotemp and also try to fill it up as much as you can. A little excess is okay because we can trim that up later. I also like to put a little bit just on my glove so that I can check to see outside of the mouth how close we are until it sets. For today's purposes, I'm going to show you two different kinds of posterior biotemps. For 18 and 19, I pulled this out as one unit and I'm going to trim it as one unit. Then we're going to go ahead and break it apart and show you what it's going to look like as two separate units. My margins look good. Everything else looks good. There's no bubbles or anything. I can go ahead and use this reline as my final. Very important thing, and I do this right after I bring those reline biotemps out before trimming, is I go through and I make sure that there isn't any excess reline material or acrylic on the teeth. If you don't do it right then, chances are you're going to forget, and then the patient's going to feel high spots that aren't your biotemps, but simply excess material within the mouth. I like to trim chair side right beside the patient or use my laboratory just to make sure there aren't any more of those little 
pieces of cotton, excess acrylic, anything that's going to disrupt the tissue or cause any discomfort. Notice I keep a good fulcrum with my fingers at all times. The most important thing to keep that drill nice and steady. We'll go ahead and smooth everything out to begin with. And then we'll go in and get these embrasures. I like to use a nice, long, thin diamond flame burr in order to get these embrasures and let the tissue breathe. We make sure to open those embrasures up really well. That way the tissue can breathe. The patient can floss underneath with, with a floss threader if they need to. No food or anything is going to get caught in there. And more importantly, I can get all of the excess temporary cement out from in between those teeth. This is really going to come into play when we take these off eventually, and the patient's tissue is not irritated underneath and bleeding when we're trying to cement in our permanent restorations. You can see here on the lingual as I'm looking, uh, the only space that I can see here in between the gingiva and that preparation looks to be where my retraction cord for my final impression was placed just moments ago. Other than that, my margins look good. I always make sure that I can, in fact, fit an instrument through those embrasures. If I can fit that instrument through there, the patient can fit floss. They can remove any sort of food or any contaminants away from there. Making sure my contacts are good with my natural teeth, checking my occlusion, and adjust if necessary. Smoothing out my contacts and making sure I'm not actually touching my contacts so that they're not light. And checking once again. As you can see, there aren't any hot spots in my occlusion. The occlusion is nice and spread out and on the bicuspids as well. This looks to be a successful reduction. I've gone ahead and separated these two units and also check the contacts in between. I like to show that we can also do separate units as well as single units, depending on what you want to achieve with your patient. While placing temporary cement, I like to put just a little bit on the flat surface, put just a little more around the edges of the integralia of that temporary. That way, when you put the temporary on, all the excess is going to move out from the sides and not get stuck underneath and cause your temporary to be high place back in the mouth on the dry preparations. Go ahead and check to make sure a little bit has extruded from the sides and allow the patient to bite on a cotton for the appropriate time. Clean up any excess temporary cement and we should be good to go. On this patient's follow-up appointment, number 19 has had a root canal treatment. However, number 18 is still a vital tooth. We have gotten this patient anesthetized for this appointment, but I want to show just a couple different ways we can remove these temporaries. In this case, the temporary that is on the root canal treated tooth is probably not going to be too sensitive to me removing it with a forcep. For patients who are having a little sensitivity or the forceps just not working, I like to use a little trick where I will take a spoon excavator and carefully at the margin put just a little bit of a leverage pressure in order to pop that right out. Nine times out of ten, the patient doesn't even know that that temporary is gone. So I hope that gives you a helpful insight on posterior biotemporaries, uh, specifically these crowns we did today. It was a pretty easy, straightforward case, and uh, we finished up with some obsidian pressed metal crowns that looked just amazing. Thank you for watching. Back to you, Megan. Thanks, Will. And for all you dental assistants watching, if you have a question or comment for Will, write to us at Live at GlidewellDental.com. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. And don't forget to earn while you learn with free CE Chairside Live courses at GlidewellDental.com. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, we thank you for watching, and I'll see you back here next week.